is episode 20 of Dope Nostalgia. I'm Naomi. I hope you guys are enjoying the beginnings of summer. We're talking to a beautiful artist today who has just amazing music to share. We have lots of sound clips of her. And she spent some time chatting with me. Great conversation. Donna DeLore is on the show today. She spent a big part of her career as one of the backing singers for Madonna on a lot of Madonna's major world tours, including the 30th anniversary this week of Madonna's Blonde Ambition World Tour, where she performed in Toronto, Toronto, Canada. And Canada is known as a pretty like liberal place. But at that time, people were complaining about lewd behavior in Madonna's tour because she had simulated a masturbation scene on stage for the song Like a Virgin. Well, the RCMP were at Madonna's show threatening to arrest her if she went ahead and do did the actual scene that we spoke of. Nothing happened. It went off without a hitch. Madonna kept her artistic integrity intact and just had a little bit more controversy. Donna's going to tell you a little bit about that too. And I want to thank her for being here. But first, we're going to share some of her background so you get to know what Donna Delory has been up to. Here you go. This is your Wikipedia moment. Wikipedia moment. Donna DeLore is an American singer, dancer, and songwriter. Part of a musical family, DeLore has been performing since a young age. Her voice can be heard on albums by Carly Simon, Ray Parker Jr., Kim Carnes, Santana, Martika, Laura Brennigan, Belinda Carlisle, Selena, Bette Midler, Barry Manilow, Mylene Farmer, Alicia, and Madonna. DeLore accompanied Madonna as her backing vocalist and dancer on every concert from the Who's That Girl tour in 1987 up to the Confessions tour in 2006. That's a lot of major tours. Her performance with Madonna at the Live Earth 2007 concert in London was her final professional collaboration with Madonna to date. In 1990, she recorded the song Always Thinking of You for the film Three Men and a Little Lady. Her self-titled debut album was released on MCA Records in late 1992. The first single off the album, Praying for Love, was released in 1992 and went to number one on the charts in Japan. The second single, Just a Dream, was released in 1993 and was a top 10 hit on the Hot Dance Club play chart. It peaked at 71 on the UK singles chart in 93. Just a Dream was written and produced by Madonna and Patrick Leonard and was originally recorded by Madonna for her 1989 Like a Prayer album. Delorie's version incorporated backing vocals by Madonna. She recorded a second album titled Songs 95 and had plans to release it in 1995, but remained unreleased until 2002. She then left the MCA label in late 94 because her growing interest in world music was starting to show in her own music, much to the dismay of her record label who wanted her to keep making pop music. Around this time, she was introduced to the harmonium, an instrument she has been using ever since. She was given the instrument at a party and she learned to play it by herself. She then toured France as a backup singer and dancer for Malene Farmer in 1996 and appears on the live CD DVD, Live at Bercy. She's released several solo albums and solo performances since then. She even released a song called My Destiny, Elisa's theme, in the 2006 game Sonic the Hedgehog. So she's going to tell you the rest of the story. Welcome Donna DeLore to the show. How are you doing right now with all the lockdown? You know, I'm good. I, I'm, I 
I love to get away. Like I grew up, like my parents were separated, were divorced. So mm -hmm. I always went to my dad's on the weekend. So I was always like going somewhere. Yeah. And then I, it was just a natural also, like I love to travel. So I started traveling when I was like 15, 16. And um, I, I just have that urge to travel and go somewhere. And now I have to just keep kind of calming myself. Like it's okay, stay home, finish your record. You don't, you know, there's going to be a lot of travel in your future, you know, but I find myself even wanting to um, just have a day trip, you know, just go somewhere different and go into some different, uh, we live in a beautiful place, but I want to go, you know, Ojai, California, which is like an hour away. It's another kind of small town and are or you, Santa Barbara. Are you in a, like a, a rural area? Is there a lot of like hiking and such around there to, to be outdoorsy and still, yeah, we're, still maintain we're distance? In the, Definitely. We're in the Santa Monica mountains. So it's a, it's a town called Topanga, California. And it's, um, it's really, it's a place for, where there are a lot of artists, a lot of creative people, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of screenwriters, a lot of people that work from home. So I think it's really natural for people now to be like, okay, we'll just stay home. Yeah. You know, the, you don't see a lot of people out on the street here. No. Yeah. It's pretty deserted. It's kind of people from the city now are coming up to walk. Mm. on our um just in our neighborhoods because the state parks are all closed yeah but it's it's beautiful here and the fog came in last night and then you watch like it's just beautiful i'm high high up in the mountains i can kind of like show you sure how, look at this can you see the oh, mountain yeah. isn't that beautiful absolutely so this is i'm in my our guest house now which we use i use as a studio mm. So it's really nice. And I get to look out the window when I'm doing my vocals and I see hawks flying. And I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. No kidding. That's so nice. You're in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you have a nice uh, place to hide away for now, for sure. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I'm starting the interview with a few questions about the past and then we'll co progress into what you're up to now musically and creatively. So, mm -hmm. So I did like kind of go over the Wikipedia to double check some of my questions. Um, and I noticed that you have a very musical family. So yeah. did you naturally progress into singing um, due to that? Or did you have other passions to pursue at the time? What well, I, I grew up, you know, my dad was in the music business and he was a, a keyboard player, a piano player. And he was always, I always listened to him play the piano and he was scoring films and producing records so i grew up literally in studios and then we'd have like artists would come and stay at our house nice. singers songwriters that my dad was producing and i just I, I just loved them i always just felt um felt like i was like them and and i just wanted to sing my my sister who was eight years older started singing professionally when i was really little yeah. and she sang on the carpenter's song sing Sing, sing a song. Mm. Um, la, 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 la. That whole, you know, the kids that sang on there. And I just, like, I'd hear it on the radio all the time. And I was, like, so proud of my sister. But I wanted to do that, too. Mm -hmm. And I was so little. You know, my parents would be like, well, you get a little older. And you know? it's like when you're five, they're not going to put you in the studio. <laughs> you know, work, working. But then I actually got to start working when I was around eight. Eight or nine. And I used to do jobs and commercials and things like that. Um, so I started working really early. And because I was getting that recognition, being in the studio, and I knew I could sing, and I was 
I was actually working and, and earning something. Like I, mm-hmm. to be that young and, and feel like you have a job and you're really good at something, uh, it, it kind of, it puts you on that path for sure. Um, later on, like maybe I, da- I got really into gymnastics and I was really inspired by watching the Olympics and everything, but I didn't have that kind of discipline to do that. And also tennis, mm-hmm. I love tennis um, and I love dancing. So, but the dancing kind of joined with the singing. So it was like singing and dancing. Yeah, that was a question I was going to ask you too, um, about uh, dancing and singing. Um, Do you feel, um, how was the choreography for doing like the vocals and and the singing at the same time? How did it differ from the dancers on tours? Like, did you have the different choreography because you were singing? You know, it's pretty, uh, sometimes, you know, it's pretty amazing because I went to dance classes when I was young. My brother and I, my brother, um, we, we auditioned for a scholarship for a jazz company in, um, in like Hollywood. So we used to go after school in high school to go to these dance classes. And my brother ended up getting a scholarship and I didn't, but I stayed with it and I kept taking the classes and I learned how to dance to count, you know, but also, you know, the dance teachers were so amazing. They would be playing music like Stevie Wonder and, and the Jackson's new album and whatever. So I always, I was, I was learning counts, but I also was always dancing to, to melody and lyric. Mm. So I would take my cues as I was learning routines because I'm a singer and I'd be singing along with the songs, you know, and it'd be like, can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? That, Jackson's album, you know, whatever it was. And I would be learning to that. So I naturally learned to melody and, and, and lyric cues. So when I started doing, um, you know, I was starting to do like dance jobs and stuff like that. I could, I had those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I would go on these crazy auditions for like some commercial for some vitamin protein drink and I'd be like one of the 40 girl dancers and they'd take us out to the desert and put these little outfits on us and do these little dance routines. And so anyway, I'd, I'd had a lot of experience doing stuff like that. And then when I ended up getting like the first Madonna tour in 1987, thank God, like I'd had the experience as a dancer doing jobs. And then I had also had the experience as a singer, but not necessarily that much. Like I'd done plays and everything but nothing that big, of course, mm-hmm. and the two together, although I have those skills. So I just pulled them together really fast. And I, I came in to replace someone, so I had to learn the stuff really fast. And I, I think I, I got the job because my voice blended really great with Madonna's, but I also had, I was a strong dancer, singer-dancer, mm-hmm. and I could do those moves. And the dancers that were already on the job who were kind of auditioning me and putting in their two cents, they, they recognized that, you know, they knew I had those skills. I could, I could, I could learn routines and I could count and move my body and uh, do like isolations and everything that all the things that you learn as a dancer, although I wasn't like a serious, I wasn't just dancing. It was a really great tool that I had that I could pull out. And it was, and you know, I mean, I feel like I was born to do that. And my mom was a dance teacher for Arthur Murray's way back when and she also was a singer you know she was um this is like the 50s when she met my dad and it was a different time for women 
And they met in a, it was like a club where you could get up and sing with the band. And my dad was the piano player. And my mom would get up and sing whatever standards that she sang. And it's really interesting. Her mom moved her and her sister to Hollywood from Hot Springs, Arkansas to get discovered. Her mom was pushing the, her two daughters into show business. You know, so my mom, like, I think my mom had some rough experiences where she went off and did some jobs and I don't know, like male boss, you know, directors that weren't very nice, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. And, um, yeah. you know, I think there, she got herself into some situations like that, but she was, she had that natural talent as well. And I always like, I used to ha have some of her like memorabilia from Arthur Murray's being a dance teacher, like her pin. And, and she loved that she was raised on that big band music and everything. And, and so I always like, I saw my mom like singing and dancing too around the house and we'd have parties and she'd start singing. And, and um, that was like when I saw her the happiest when she was doing that. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah I can see how, how it would be such a huge part of your life. Um, and then when you got the opportunity to go on the tour, um, did you find like the audition process intimidating at all or how how did it how well who did you audition for was madonna directly there or were there other um people involved as well in the audition well thank goodness you know like i said before i've been going on auditions right mm -hmm. and i mean being in hollywood and being a teenager and like i had i moved to nashville when i was 16 my mom died of breast cancer i was living with her but then i went to live with my dad but i really it was like to go that was the perfect thing after that happened with my mom to just start a new life, you know, and I got on like a really huge health kick and I went to Nashville and, and I tried to do all these things. I tried to take dance classes, but there was nowhere to dance. There was like clogging classes oh, and, wow. and like country dancing. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay. And I tried to be a country singer and everything. And I'd go out in the clubs in the gay clubs at night, like in really rough areas mm -hmm. to dance. You know, so I got back to, um, to LA and can you, can you ask the question again? Let me. Oh yeah. Basically you, the, when you auditioned, um, or no, the, you yeah, yeah. So that, so I had auditioned a lot. I went back to LA and, and I, thank God I had all that experience auditioning. Cause then I was in LA and I was, you know, not, I didn't have the tough skin that some people have like in New York and everything, mm -hmm. but LA was enough of a, you know, get some good experience and, and build some confidence. And so when I did go to that audition, it was a, like a rushed thing for the 1987 Who's That Girl tour. Um, the producer I'd been working with because I did the demo for Open Your Heart, he heard me singing, called me in like a, you know, months earlier than that. And I started singing on all the albums he was producing. Okay. So all of a sudden, like my day jobs got less and less hours on like my waitressing jobs and I got to sing more on these records and and he was in her band and he was producing her as well I guess he was one of the producers or helping with True Blue and had been her her previous band director so I was like in his ear every time I'd go over there I'd be like what's going on with that tour you know what's happening and I'm like you know it's, at first I was subtle and then after a while I'm like Pat I dance okay this is Pat Leonard Huh. I dance. I'm like, you know, I can, I can blend with her perfectly. Cause he'd said that before. He's like, you guys would sound great together. I'm like, well, come on, let's go. You know, <laughs> can I come by rehearsal? And I'm like nudging at him a lot. 
finally just said, it's not going to happen. And I remember that feeling of disappointment because I was like, this is perfect for me. And I'm like, this is my, my break right now, you know, and it wasn't going to happen. So I gave up. I stopped asking. I remember stopped asking him about it. And then all of a sudden one day he calls me like panicked and he's like, what are you doing today? I'm on, um, we're at the rehearsal stage. You know, we're in the, it was like, I forgot the name of the SIR leads or something like a famous place where the band was rehearsing. And he said, we're a girl's not going to work out and we want to, you know, I want you to come in. So I'm seeing myself like coming in, hi, Madonna, you know, just me because Pat wants to bring me in mm-hmm. and I hang up the phone. I'm, I'm like so psyched. I start thinking about what I'm going to wear. I start like doing my hair, my makeup. I, I had a plan for my whole look because I wanted to look really Spanish mm-hmm. because I knew, I knew obviously she was very into, you know, what your image was and, and, the visuals and everything. So I had like, I remember I had like a, like my hair was to my shoulders. It was black. So I put on like the most red lipstick you could have. I did my skin really kind of light and my eyes really dark, had my makeup already. It was a really hot day. They call me back and they're like, you know what? They want to do a big audition. They want to have all the singers come in that they can find in LA to come in to sing for her. So I was like, okay, all right. So Change the plan, <laughs> went in, we're all like on the balcony. It's one of these rehearsal rooms, but then there's an upstairs where they put all the singers waiting. But I took a look around and I, and I looked at a lot of these singers. And honestly, I knew, I, I didn't think any of them were dancers. Mm. You know, they didn't, have real, they didn't have dancers in there. So I was like, okay, I knew I had an advantage that way. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what they give us a routine or something. So they took us up first just to sing. And there were, we were in groups of three. And I was in the middle with these two, two girls that were bigger than me. And they were louder than me because I don't have, and I, especially at that time, I didn't have a real like projecting voice, mm. you know, and we did our, it was La Isla Bonita. And unfortunately in that moment we were singing the, which is unison which is the hardest thing to sing with singers you've never blended with you never sung with one note like you don't even get to be on your own part and it was kind of flat you know it was like I was just like oh no this is a disaster and they and uh then at that point I thought we were going to be done and Pat thank god was it was like, I have an idea. Donna and Madonna sing together, the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I knew the song. So the band starts playing the bridge. I come in on the bridge. I want to be where the sun warms the sky. And I think Madonna was not looking at me at that point. She was just singing. Mm-hmm. And she turns around and stops everyone. And she's like, why weren't you singing? You know, this is the bridge. And Pat chimes in right away and he goes, she was singing Madonna. You guys, you guys blend perfectly together. Oh, wow. That's why you didn't think she was singing because it sounded so good. You guys sounded like one voice. And, and then after that, she made some comment like, well, will you sing on all my records? Something like that. <laughs> Just like that. Which, which was really sweet. And, and I thought, okay, you know, that was a, it, it was just a sweet, cute thing for her to say. And, and I was, you know, at that point, from that point until the next two, two days later, I still didn't know if I had that job. 
they kept telling me, well, come back tomorrow, come back tomorrow. Uh, Shabadoo, the dancer wants to work with you. The director wants to work with you. And, and even like we, a few weeks into the rehearsal, I remember they taped us. They had a recording truck in the back. And while we were dancing, they were taping us singing and then listening to how we sounded while we were dancing to see if we could still sing. And, um, and so I, I passed on that one. So that was a good thing, but it was a, Oh, it's so, I mean, to, it's like, if I go back and watch that footage, cause it's so long ago, mm. I can get back into that feeling of what that was like. Cause the first big time that you go out on a tour and for me, I mean, can you imagine my first tour was a stadium tour with Madonna? Yeah. And people who were around then, you, rem you remember the spectacle it was. I mean, when we were in a town, the billboards were everywhere. Everyone was talking about the show. Mm -hmm. Everyone in that town knew we were there. And we're they were trying to get tickets. You know, I could go into like any boutique with two tickets and pick out any outfit I wanted <laughs> and be like, Hurt. okay, here's the deal. And this is like a Madison Avenue, New York City. Or, or candidate, wherever I was. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, okay, I got two tickets to the show tomorrow night. Can I trade you for this outfit? I mean, I was trading, you know. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And meeting tons of people, it was, it was incredible. I was really, I was so young and um, so impressed, you know. There was a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. But I, I had, I had the, I had the skills, so that was great. And then, you know, Nikki Harris came into the mix and I met her and we became pals and we just kind of like grew up together in that scene. Yeah. And it, it was hard to keep, you know, at that time, that was in my first tour, I kind of was like, you know, I was in another band at the time, it was called Tomorrow the World. And I was like, Tomorrow the what? You know, it was like, I took off. You know, I went on tour with Madonna left all my friends behind, all the people I was working with. And I got really caught up in that whole scene, which that's, you, sometimes you need to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all the tours following that, that I did with her, I got to watch all the young dancers come in and be in that same place. So it was kind of amusing, you know? It was like, they were every night after the show dressing up to go to the clubs and be in the clubs all night because they didn't want to miss anything from this experience. I was in the exact same place. But as the tours went on and my life grew and I ended up having a child and having my own career and everything, it, it became more of a job, of course. And I mean, you were probably very young when it started. So as you got into yeah. your thirties and such, it, the whole thing would change, probably less partying and <laughs> all of that. But a lot. A did, lot you guys, did you guys feel like a family on the road? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, there's always people that you become really good friends with, you know, and the, the people, it's really interesting to see, to know where my life has gone now. And, and I was always interested in these things, but I hung out with like the macrobiotic cook and the, the yoga teacher and the, the um, massage therapist. Like those were the people that were my friends that I was hanging with the most, mm -hmm. you know, later on as the tour went on later on. And that those were the people I related to. And, and, those tours are so big. There's so many people that you can hang out with. Yeah. So, and, and we're all, you know, everyone's got each other's backs and it was pretty amazing. 
this is a really funny story. The whole, the last tour I did with her, the whole band, like they would party all the time. And they, they knew me, like they didn't know me way back when, <laughs> when I was going to the parties every night, you know? And I was like not partying with them. You know, I went back to my room to try to get some sleep and take care of myself after the shows. We got to Russia and it was my birthday. And we, uh, we had a big party that night. And it was funny because we weren't, they, they had warned us to not go out in the streets at night. And so we had to stay in our hotel for security reasons and everything. So we, we stayed at the hotel bar and it was a little too extreme, but I, I got my like big hang with the band in mm. that night and it was fun. We ended up like singing all night and, and everything. So that would, that would happen rarely for me on tour mm. later on, you know, and it, it, it's just, it's fun to get to know people as well as you can, because you know that the tour is going to end and you might not ever see them or work with them again. Which of the tours did you find the most challenging? Um, wow. I think I remember the girly, the Blonde Ambition and Girly Show tour mm -hmm. were for us. We were in the show so much. We had such fast costume changes mm. and there was always like things like in the middle of the show, I had to go to the bathroom and I had to like, these columns are coming down. I had to like figure out how to run out before the column came down. And you had to like, you had to take care of yourself. You had to get your tea because we were singing too, mm -hmm. or you had to like put your costume on and, and uh, you know, try to get used to it before you went back out there. So, cause it was so tight and you wanted to be able to breathe in it. So it was like, I think it had to do with like the costumes being restrictive, the shoes being really high, being in the show so much, um, and then dealing with venues where it was so hot or you're outside and it's cold, you know? Oh things yeah. Like that. And those two tours, the ones that we were in the most, you know? But later on when I wasn't in the shows as much, it's like so much easier. Mm -hmm. But not as much fun because you want to be <laughs> out there, you know, you want to be out there with the audience and you've done it before and you know what it's like and you want to connect with people. And that was the most fun thing was just being out there and seeing people so happy. You know, you can't help but even if you didn't get enough sleep or you might be fighting a cold or something, you look out there and, and you're making people so happy and that just fills you. It's really satisfying. I can't even imagine. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, this episode is going to be coming out on the 30th anniversary of the show in Toronto from the Blonde wow. Ambition Tour. Wow. Uh, can you tell us what happened the, when, with the police and every, all the chaos with that? Yeah, I mean, by then, like, I'd been working with Madonna for a while, and, and like, nothing she was doing really was shocking me. <laughs> and you know and knowing her and everything I saw it as art you know and she's always like she's always taking it another step for herself from an artistic place and culturally you know trying to make statements and and she's really trying to open people's minds and I was like it was when we were doing our prayer I guess the management everyone saw that in the truth or dare movie mm. but the management came in and told us what was going on. And thank God, like it was really captured in that movie mm -hmm. where she, because she's the leader and we're there to support her. She was like, come on, we're doing the show anyway. And we all just got so excited that like we might all get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> we were like, we're all going to be arrested together, <laughs> you know? And I didn't even think about it. You know, I'm like, okay, we'll all get arrested. It'll be in the newspapers. Because like I said, like what we were doing was such a big thing at that time mm -hmm. that we just felt like we were invincible, you know? Mm -hmm. And nothing could really happen to us. So it's, it's funny that in the end, it wasn't a big deal. Of course. People, like, enjoyed the show, you know? It, it's part of a show. I think that just maybe created even more hype and more attention, you know? Like, she, she knew that. She knew, how to, she knew that. And, you know, <laughs> could it also be because she's a woman? Hello? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, there was all of that going on as well, which I realized more as I got older and looking back on what she was doing and what she was about. You know, and I, I respect and appreciate it a lot more now, even. Because I can talk to my, I have two daughters. I can talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. And my older daughter, she's 17. And she's not like, she's not into all of Madonna's music. Or she's into her music, but not like her image and everything. Because she wasn't part of the culture then. She doesn't quite understand what was going on. She, she likes her attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, that resonates with her. And she inspired yeah. so many of us women to know that we can really do it. Like we can do anything we can set our mind to. And that was what she inspired me to do. You know, people ask me like, what'd you learn from her? It's an overall, she's setting an example. And because there were some ways that I identified with her, you know, because I'm a singer too and an artist and I dance and that's my joy. And um, I felt like I could do it too. I felt like I could after working with her, I could write my own songs. I could produce myself, my music. Mm -hmm. You know, I could be the leader in my life and, and hire a team of people and be the boss, you know? And I had to find my own way with that because she has her own way and she has her own attitude and everything and the way she works with people. I had to find my own way. At first, you know, I admit, it's like having an older sister and you kind of try to act like them right. and try that on. And then I had to find my, my way and, and my own musical style and everything as well. But it was amazing. She always gave us that encouragement that we can do it too. Yeah, no. I, and you did, you did, you found your way and you've been working on your own music and how have you taken care of your voice over the years and on the road? Like you said, you mentioned when you get sick and whatnot and you drink the teas and, and all that. Um, did you have a specific regimen to take care of your vocals? I didn't. This just You just made me think of something. As the tours went on too, you knew, like, you could look ahead and, and know, like, when we were picking our parts, when the singers were picking what parts they're going to sing, I, I knew what parts were also going to stress my voice out more. You know, I was taking into consider, I was taking into consideration a lot of those like, okay, do I really want to belt out that high part? I could do it, that full, full voice high part, but that could like night after night, that might not be great for my voice. Mm. And maybe the other singer who had that, more of that stamina with that like high chest voice, my, like Nikki Harris, you know, we would, we would take our parts based on like our being able to be sustainable with our voices as well. Mm. So, and warming up, absolutely. We used to take naps before the shows, which was huge. And I learned that about having some rest time before a show. Mm -hmm. And now, like, if I, you know, 
I don't, since I had kids, like I can't nap anymore, really. Like my yeah. mind just will not go there. But I can meditate. I can um, just have some quiet time. And I just take, I have a ritual of getting ready for a show where I warm my voice up. I have my tea. I do my makeup. I just take time. Mm -hmm. And I think, I always just think about the whole thing. I visualize the whole thing and the way it's going to go. And I just try to honestly relax my voice as much as I can. <clears throat> the only times I get nervous is when like I'm playing keyboards and maybe I don't know all the chords or I'm playing with a new band. And I might start out my voice. You can hear it being a little more shaky because I'm not as confident with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I just have sung so much now that it's kind of automatic and I'm not worried. I'm not worried about losing my voice because I could always in my own shows, I could change the melody and I have enough experience now of being like having the flu. One time I, I did a show in Las Vegas and I had the flu and I still did the show and you know, you can just go on and do it. Mm -hmm. And there's also the music I do. It's like inspirational and there's something about it to tap into this place where it just comes out anyway. After these messages, we'll be right back. Analog Brewing, winner of three awards at the 2020 Alberta Beer Awards, is a proud sponsor of the Dope Nostalgia podcast. Analog Brewing is now offering delivery within the city of Edmonton with no delivery fee on orders over 40 bucks. Go to analogbrewing.ca slash shop. That's www.analogbrewing.ca forward slash shop and place your order today. When placing an order, you could also pay it forward and take part in their Nurse a Pint program and prepay for a pint for a nurse. Mention this podcast in the order comments so they know we sent you. Analog Brewing, taking beer to the next level. Okay, give me an A, you guys. Truth is where you find it. Get up and vote. Truth is where you find it. Get up and go. Excuse me, but I'm singing in one key and you're singing in another. Dr. King, Malcolm X, freedom of speech is as good as sex. Abe, Lincoln, Jefferson, Tom, they didn't need the atomic bomb. We need beauty, we need art, we need government with art. Hidden rhythm. Don't give up your freedom of speech. Power to the people is in our reach. Don't just sit there, let's get to it. Speak your mind, there's nothing to it. Vote! And if you don't vote, you're gonna get a spanky. Cut. Praying for love to take my tears, to take my fears and throw them all away. Praying for love on a soul night. If we look real hard, I know we'll see the light. Praying for
do you prefer the studio work or session work or performing live? Which one do you feel more comfortable doing? You know, I love both. I love it. If I can have like my dream band with me, mm -hmm. my, well, I don't have to cram to rehearse new musicians and, and not feel great about the music and the arrangements. Mm -hmm. Like if I have my guys, I love, it's so fulfilling. I can just float. I just float on this cloud of bliss, you know, cause they know the music. They're making the sounds that, that are just so satisfying and fulfilling for me. It, with the experience. Mm. But even when I don't have my, my musicians, I know the audience is, is still loving it. But if, if I have my guys there and girls, um, I feel like it's equal to being in the studio creating, you know? But I, I also say like sometimes rehearsals with my band is my favorite part because yeah. it's like so relaxed and everyone's coming up with parts and things are happening for the first time if we're rehearsing a new song. Um, that can be really great. It's really creative. Yeah, no kidding. But I love it all. And it, it depends on the schedule. I mean, if I'm like doing a show every night and I have to go to a new place every day, it's, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And it gets, I mean, the more you've done it, I think I've traveled so much that now I'm like, do I really want to go do this? You know, I, <laughs> especially now with what's happening. Do you value that time home then probably even more so like even though you love to travel, I would like embrace the time where you where you get to relax a bit too. I love it, you know. Mm. I had I had my daughter, I had my first daughter who's 17 now on my own. I was like in between Madonna tours and I was like it kind of caught me by surprise. I'd been dating someone and I I made the decision decision to have this child and did it on my own initially. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my music, I'm gonna be, be an artist and I'm gonna have a child and and I still got to do it. It wasn't I did two more Madonna tours after that. So I still did a lot of traveling, but I really always kept the balance of being able to be home as well with my daughter while she was growing up. I knew I didn't want to be a parent that was gone all the time. Yeah. So I'm really happy that I had that balance. And then my second daughter, I had seen the other one grow up so fast. I was like, okay, this is really happening fast. I'm going to keep myself really healthy and I'm going to, I'm still not going to tour like a crazy person. I'm going to be here as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like structured my life that way. Yeah. Still, still feel like I'm always going somewhere, but it's not like I'm gone from home all the time. So I've really got to like really have some roots here. I've been in the same house here, Santa Monica Mountains for 16 years. And I've been working out of the guest house. You know, this has been my studio, my creative space. Mm -hmm. So I really like, I'm rooted here now. I love it. Um, I've wanted for like two years now to work on a meditation album, mm -hmm. but I needed to get into this place of like just staying home and finishing up, like I, I'm always working on so much music at the same time. So I'm working on like a remix album and then like a singer songwriter EP. And I needed to start my meditation album. So this whole thing happened with the coronavirus and we got stay home orders and it's sunk in. It's like, no, I'm not going to go on that trip. I'm not going to go to Oregon. I'm not going to go to New York to mix my EP. Mm. And I just, 
was in here every day. My daughter started doing online schooling. And I'm like, okay, when she goes on the computer to do that, I'm going up to the studio. And I just started doing it all by myself, which is incredible because I usually don't, I'm not really into sitting in front of a big computer running Pro Tools, <laughs> editing and record. You know, I usually record and then my engineer comes in, but he couldn't come in. So I'm like calling him going, how do you edit and how do you mute? <laughs> I just like, I took one song and I edited a bar out of the whole song by mistake, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I've been making some pretty stupid mistakes, but I've also been, been doing some beautiful things and just on my own. You know, I, I played a piano piece and then I opened up the piano and I plucked the strings in the piano because I didn't have my guitar player here. Mm. And, I, and, and that led to this beautiful piece. So it's, um, it's, been, a, it's been a blessing to have this time at home. And, um, and, and I had been, uh, had someone write to me who was a, a nurse in New York there on the front lines and driving into work she told me that she listens to my music and it's given her strength Oh my goodness! to, to deal with what she has to deal with that day. And I came in and, and worked on a piece with that inspiration. And so much of my music, I've been thinking of everyone um, that is going through this, that is there on the front lines. And so it's, uh, you know, being an artist, you know, you just use the, the time and the mood of what's happening as inspiration if you can. And, and, make something beautiful, have something beautiful come out of it. Inspiration. And it's therapeutic to be writing and doing these things too. Like, Oh my gosh. It's completely therapeutic. <laughs> completely. <laughs> so thank God I have that. Yeah. When did you become passionate about uh, world music and um, the spirituality uh, in your music? Um, Tell, tell me more about, because I was going through some of your tracks and listening to them, and I was wondering like, um, about like the language used and such. Um, how did this all come about for you, the, the passion for the world music? Yeah, well, world music, you know, I started listening to world music from listening to Peter Gabriel's. Yeah. Peter Gabriel's records, so, and listening to Yusu Endure, mm -hmm. and listening to his records. And from Peter Gabriel, his record label, Real World Records, I listened, I went to the Virgin Megastore, okay, on Sunset Boulevard, and I got anything that was from his label. Mm. So any artist, and I got so into it, and I looked at the producers on there and everything, and I was um, gonna make my second record for MCA Universal, back, this is like 94, 95, and I discovered world music, so I had like all these great producers I wanted to work with, and I brought it to the company, and I played them the records and I was like, I want to have this kind of percussion and I want this flavors, but I still want to do like pop songs, but I want to arrange them in a different way and have like Banzuri flute, um, the Indian tablas, the Middle Eastern percussion. I also had started studying belly dance, mm. oriental dance. So I had a really great teacher that was influencing me, influencing me with that music. I'd done that last tour, the girly show with Madonna. And we went to Israel, we went to Turkey. We were exposed to a lot of that kind of music because we got to go to shows and listen to the music when we were traveling. And I discovered, actually when I was making my first record in London in 92, I discovered a, an artist named Amina, who was, a, um, who was a singer, I think she was Middle Eastern, and also Ofra Haza, 
Like I was always oh into Ofrahaza. Like him na no. Like I used to like, I used to memorize all her riffs and everything. And I just love the way people use their, their voice different as an instrument. Sheila Chandra. I loved her. So I was listening to these singers and it was influencing me and I wanted to bring those flavors into my music. I was still on like a major label. So I knew I had to make another pop record. Mm. And I started doing that and that ended up not working out. They didn't get it, whatever. They rejected my demos and for my second record, I got out of that. So then I was truly an indie artist mm. and I was like, okay. Uh, I, my whole band was like, I had a rock band at that time, you know, pop rock band. So I just kept working with the cellist and a guy named Cameron Stone. And I played harmonium. Someone gave me a harmonium at a party, believe it or I was not. I ask you about harmonium. Yeah. Someone gave it to me. Someone came to see my band and was like, you should play harmonium. And, and I was like, what's that? Yeah. Isn't that weird? And like, people would tell me you should do that. It would be really cool. And you know, you're, they said, you're, you have eclectic taste and it would kind of bring you in that more eclectic direction. And all the clubs I was playing in LA were more eclectic world music clubs. Mm. I just was drawn to that, that were owned by, you know, maybe European people. And I I was always going to European restaurants and I just love the culture. You know, I I'd been exposed to the world and I wasn't just going to go back to just being like a pop rock artist and that wasn't satisfying for me or just doing dance music. So I, I really just like went and bought a studio and I started making my own indie records and they had that kind of, um, I'd been studying spirituality for so long since I was a teenager and I started putting some of that, some of the, um, the teachings in a way or how I was inspired by them in the music and I, I'd start studying yoga when I was 18, like way before anyone was. And it was truly eclectic then, you know, and the people I was hanging out with in LA it was the whole kind of um, conscious living group that was in LA at that time. Those were like the people I hung out with and went to those restaurants. And there was a, there was a Sikh restaurant called the Golden Temple. The Kundalini yoga people had, I just was drawn to places like that. Mm. And so it, later on, I, I took up yoga again. And I started hearing the, the teacher would say these phrases like stira, you know, or she'd say, om shanti, shanti, shanti. And there's simple words that just resonated with me. And I started picking up words. And then I'd go back and put them into my songs. Or I'd pick up mantras like um, gam ganapataye namo nama that was Ganesh mantra, which is the remover of obstacles. And it was kind of like you used it to set an intention. And for me, starting my practice, I would set my intention to calm my mind, to really go into my body and into my breath. So I would use that in class for that. And then I'd be playing, let's say, live with my band on tour. And I'd say, well, I want to bring this into the middle of the song and go to that place again. So I'd put it in the middle of my song. I, I used to put it in the middle of my song on and on. So it was funny because I'd be playing like clubs and bars, but doing these mantras, Sanskrit mantras in the middle of the songs. And then this is a long story, but the short version is I was in Philadelphia playing the Grape Street Pub. And I go to like the Whole Foods there, Fresh Fields. 
And I meet this guy in the produce section and he's like, oh, I own a, I own a yoga center and you should come do a, you guys should come and do a show there. You know, you, you should come jam with us. So the night after I played that club, we all were jamming in the yoga center and he was teaching me more mantras. And I was like kind of jamming on my songs and singing the mantras. We were playing the harmonium. I had a harmonium with me on tour. So I was playing that and we were just kind of jamming all night. It just felt really good, you know, and it was a new friend for me who was really immersed in the chant in chanting and being a yoga teacher. So I was very influenced by him. And then I, I learned my first mantras from him. And then later on, like maybe a year or two later, a, a, a record company came to me who was from, um, the Kundalini yoga kind of community in Los Angeles. And they started a kind of like new age conscious music label mm. and they wanted to sign me for a record. And I honestly, I was like, I know two mantras or three, you know, I felt like, so I call that first record, the lover and the beloved, which has probably been my most successful record. I call it baby's first mantras uh. because it was like my first mantras I learned. And I had been writing some music already. So I kind of put the mantras over that music and it just, it, it came out effortless, effortlessly compared to a lot of records where I was trying to write the perfect pop song so I could maybe get on the radio mm. or, you know, that kind of stress involved in trying to like please a record company or trying to go that next step from where I left off last time where I was on the radio. I wanted to go further with my music and being successful commercially. This was just a record. I was like, oh, I love music. I get to do that. I love yoga. I get to do these mantras with the music and they're paying me to do it. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know. I mean, even my manager at the time was like, even our contract was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just sign it. You know, <laughs> it's probably not going to ever, this is like a fringe, you know, a side project for me. And we little did we know i mean at that time yoga was like expanding so much right and, and it was blowing up i mean it was like starbucks you know yoga centers on every corner and all of a sudden there became this like new venues to play and and festivals and yoga centers were reaching out to me to come play mm. and i was like okay and i was an indie artist so before then i was doing you know touring with my band in a van and doing like borders in stores and Virgin mega stores and everything like that. So I kind of like transitioned with that record into playing yoga festivals, conscious music festivals. I even played, I played the Lilith fair. It was like the second round of Lilith fair. Yeah. Um, doing like my, my English songs, but also a couple songs of mantra as well. And people loved it, you know, so it was really sweet. I remember playing New York city during one of the Madonna tours. And I was playing a place called Joe's Pub. Mm -hmm. It's like a ma more mainstream singer-songwriter venue. And it's really funny because I thought, well, I'll just do my English songs in this venue. But people were like shouting out songs, mantra songs from that album. And I remember being really amazed. People were like, hey, my Durga. You know, and I was like, really? You want to hear that in this venue? And they just, they loved the music. They loved the, it's like a feeling tone that the music held and, and gave to people when they listened to it. And um, that was beautiful. So, you know, that was my first kind of more 
it was in it was Sanskrit and English because I always have to kind of I had to put in there what my interpretation of the mantra was. Next record I made was uh, 2006. Was a more singer-songwriter, but it had some of that devotional, um, the devotional thread in there as well. And then it got kind of like switched off. I'd make then I make another mantra record, then I make another singer-songwriter, and then in between a lot of like I've always loved to work with remixers. So I love mm -hmm. electronic versions of the songs because I love to dance. Yeah. So, and give it like to DJs, you know, there were a lot more kind of like dance events that were conscious music oriented and they were using my music a lot. So I always thought of them when I go to do remixes and everything. And it's really funny, like all of these things, combining the world music, the electronic textures, the mantras. Mm -hmm. I love singing in different languages anyway. I'm not fluent in any different languages, but I love making different sounds with my voice. That all sounds can be so interesting uh, as a singer, like different types of right. Yeah, and and we're and not worrying about words, just make sounds like Radiohead. You know, yeah. it's like what is he? What is he saying? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. Then, as a songwriter, um, when you're writing, are you more um, inspired to write music or lyrics, or is it a, a combination of both? It's both. Sometimes I'll just have the music. Sometimes a lyric will hap happen. I was on Spotify. This is really interesting. I was listening to someone, some song came up on a playlist, like a yoga song by a guy named Soul Rising. And the track was so beautiful. 
I started singing a melody. It was just an instrumental track. I start singing a melody and lyric over it immediately. Huh. I thought it was this guy who I'm working with, who's doing a remix for me. I thought it was his track. So I reached out to him because it was on his playlist. Mm. And I was like, can I sing over your track? You know, see, he sends me the track and it's not that track. But I listened, <laughs> but I had screenshot it really quick and I looked and it was this guy, Soul Rising. I'm like, wow. So because of the vibration of this music and it's like an electronic chill yoga track, right? Mm -hmm. I heard this melody and this lyric instantly. And I reached out to him and I was like, can I sing over that track? And he was like, yeah, he sent it. Um, he, I guess he sent me like a wave file or something. And so, and so I just imported it, started a session, started doing vocals. And then all these lyrics start coming to me. And he's so funny. Cause like, he knows it's like yoga chill. Like you don't want to engage your mind too much, Yeah. but I can't help it. I've like written this whole song now to the track. So now I'm going to like strip it down more and like, okay, I don't want to like give him a whole song with like, you know, a verse, B section, chorus, bridge. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, just chill it out. Just like talk about something simple, keep it simple. So it's always like that's appropriate for that piece. But then I might sit down at the piano and really write a song and then the lyric and the melody and the, the song structure is appropriate for that piece. Um, I just love being, I mean, you're a creative person too. You know, I love being creative. So, and I love collaborating and I love super, super love great, great musicians. And that I have to just tell you that um, this last week has been so fun for me because I had the pleasure of having Tony Levin, the bass player, who people know him from King Crimson, Peter Gabriel's bass player. Like mm. he was on all of those records that I studied, that I've been so inspired by. In 2013 for my album, The Unchanging, I went to Woodstock, New York, and he played on a couple of my tracks. And I was like, he was playing his upright electric bass. And it was like the oh, first- Oh, cool. The first pass I've been playing on the track was like, blew me away. I, I was crying to hear my song, this big studio with him playing the bass. I mean, and there's something about his bass that like, it's like butter, you know? Yeah. It's like with my voice, it's just the perfect bass for my voice. Mm. And, and he's, you know, like working with great musicians. I mean, he's a legendary musician and, Incredible. So I reached out to him a couple of weeks ago and I was like, will you play on my meditation album? And, and because of the quarantine, he's not on tour now. Right. So he's like, yeah, just send me the tracks. And I'm like sending tracks like in my studio, like this is so too good to be true. He's, <laughs> he's just in his studio and he'll play on whatever I send him. <laughs> so he starts sending me back bass tracks and I'm like, just the tone. It's not even all the notes he's playing because he's keeping it really simple because it's a simple record. But, you know, and, and songs I didn't even hear bass on, I'm like, just to have his energy and his tone that, mm -hmm. and I wanted to make this record that's more around sound vibration. That sound vibration of his bass just resonates with me. Mm -hmm. And it's so smooth. And there's a lot of live strings on this record. And it's, it's just holding the whole thing, just having that bottom on there. And I'm so happy. And so then I start, I'm like, and then I'm like working on a remix. I send him like even more stuff. 
I talked to this remixer who I know is a fan of his too. I'm like, let's have him play on the remix. Let's like, let's just take that bass track that was done that, that isn't like rhythmic enough for the remix and let's have him play a new one. So I've been giving him like stuff left and right and, and working with like, oh my God, now how we can work where we could just send files and people send files back. Oh, it's crazy. It's, it's so helpful, especially in a time like this. Do you know the artist Joseph Arthur? No, I don't. Okay, so he wrote a song called In the Sun that I recorded. He's an alternative rock artist. So I recorded this song way back and it's done really well for me, my version. And I took it to a whole nother place, you know? And now I, I, I posted an old clip of me doing the song and he commented on it on my, because I hashtagged him on my Instagram on Instagram. And I was like, I'm such a fan of his, but I hadn't been kind of like aware of him in a few years. Mm. So I kind of started following him, got back into him and he's posting videos, chanting and doing yoga. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, dude, cool. You know? (laughs) And it's like, does he know that his song that I covered has become like a yoga hit, you know? And the, the lyric is, may God's love be with you always. I picture you in the sun. It's a beautiful song. You guys, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Check out his version and mine. You know what? Um, I'll, I'll play your version too in the, in the podcast so everyone gets a chance to hear it. Yeah, it's amazing. So I reached out to him. I direct messaged him and I said, will you chant? Like he's chanting on his stories, his Insta stories. I'm like, will you chant on my record? Because there's this really low part. Um, gate, gate, bada, gate. And he's got this low, rich voice. And he, he was like, send me the track. So I sent him the track. So we're doing this like back and forth thing now. And uh, it's really sweet. I'm really inspired by this, you know. Just 
all creative people out there to like you know what use this time as an opportunity to start some collaborations mm -hmm. and even people like I've mentioned to some people in the business like oh how would I get in touch with this person or that person they're like just just message them yeah. message them on Facebook message them on Instagram you know not everyone's gonna respond but you'd be surprised you never people know are all, people are looking to uh to collaborate and share that energy right now and stay in that creative space. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, just the fact that we can have a chat today is because I just went ahead and reached out. So I know. And who, would, who else, who else would you like to musically collaborate with? Like who would be your first person to reach out to if you, you know, honestly, I'm a bit of a rocker. So um, do you remember, have you heard of the guitarist Nuno Betancourt? Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's my absolute favorite. I work. I work. I would with do him. anything with him. It would be very make me very happy. And he oh harmonized I... well and such too. So he's played on some of my records, and I worked really? on a track. I worked on a track with him, um, which I should send you. That's like uh, yeah. we tried to get it. We were trying to get this in a movie, in a um, one of these, you know, like superhero movies, mm -hmm. and we were up for it. And he was like, we brought him as a writer to put his. Yeah, yeah, like his real distorted guitars on it yeah I, it's called point of no return remind me to send you this track yes you'll hear like i came in as a songwriter and just to sing like a hook on it so it's cool it's not on any album i'm also in this band called la machine de rev which is more alternative mm. um indie alternative and he's like he's played on some of that stuff um i know him through uh Ajax, who's one of the band members in La Machine de Rev. And we have a really cool cover of Open Your Heart, too, that we did. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes, I will remind you at a later time for sure. Can oh, yeah. I love it? that you love him. I love him, I too. Do. I, since I was a teenager, I saw him in, play live. And I was just, I'm so fascinated by how he plays guitar. He taught himself to play. And you just know he's got that distinct tone, too, where you just know it's him when you hear him. He's just a brilliant musician and you could tell like he's just got it he could play any instrument and he would be brilliant you know mm -hmm. yeah i love him too yeah it's just built into him you're right drums and everything he can do it all now nikki harris and your relationship you guys have made music together recently yes you guys can find our records under nikki and donna mm -hmm. uh, there's a long story there but we basically got together and we were like let's do we always love doing this on rain Mm -hmm. live and the girly show and her and I sang forever together, you know, cause we were sharing a dressing room and sharing our lives for many years. And there were songs like Bonnie Raitt songs and kind of like country rock. Like we just, we found this place that we can meet with our voices, mm -hmm. the style that's more rootsy, you know, she does gospel and jazz and I'm doing like world new age electronica, whatever I do. Um, and we kind of meet in this place of doing kind of more rootsy music. And we made an EP. We did a uh, fans pledged for this and we gave certain things. And 
Um, it was really great. We ran this campaign, got a lot of support, did an EP, and we're going to continue on making music together. But we did this version of Madonna song Rain, mm. acoustic version, and then there's a, there's remixes as well. I absolutely and I, love how you guys put it together and arranged it. Isn't it so sweet? Yeah. We went in with a guitar player and worked out the arrangement and everything. And then she went, she lives in Augusta, Georgia. And then I, I had a, um, I worked on the rest of the track. I had an upright bass player come in and then we, I did string arrangement with, with a string arrangement, yeah, with a live player. And thank you. It's really, I love that version. And it was really like our excitement of working together again. Yeah. The beginning of that. Yeah. You guys still have that bond all these years, hey? Isn't it amazing? That's beautiful. Yeah.
everyone to like don't have to be a singer also to share that to sing with someone mm-hmm. you know to, to join a singing group or sing with your friends or have a party and get into a jam mm-hmm. whatever it is you know sing with people it's we, very uh we've been trying to figure out how to sing online together and it's starting starting to happen you know we're, we're, we're finding all the different things we can do with technology to make it work i know we are we are but then there's the delay sometimes so then it's like Mm-hmm. It can be weird, but delay, it can yeah. be great. we were trying to harmonize. We were trying to do a duet the other day, and the delay threw everything off because it's it's it was even just a second. Just so we're trying to figure out how to work with that. The only way to do it is to be able to hear what that other person's hearing from the same source at the same yeah, exactly. Time. You and I don't know how you do that, but you have to almost like have this going. But I'd also have to have be listening to like your exact timing. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say we were recording together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if we're there yet to be able to do that, but I, I'm hearing about all kinds of things going on where people are doing sessions and all kinds of things. So they're playing to, I'm seeing a lot of bands put things together, playing to a click and then just exactly. throwing it together after and putting a video up. That seems right. to be the, the main way right now. Right, because the click is the click, and you're you're playing to that. That's your reference point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have a question from one of our listeners. Andrew wanted to ask you, um, what is your favorite thing to cook at home? Um, and that also leads into: are are you a vegetarian, or do you have any tips on how to eat clean or eat healthy? Yeah, I'm mainly vegetarian, mm-hmm. uh, and and I eat is the closest, you know, from the closest farm that, that I can, most local, I try to buy the most local that I can. Mm-hmm. We also have like arugula growing on our land and a lot of fruit trees. The ultimate thing is to grow your own, your own food, of course, or even have like a, p- a big pot that can get sun and put some seeds in there and grow some herbs at least. Mm-hmm. You know, you once you get into growing, you realize it's not that hard, right? Especially now we're all at home. Um, I make, I, I just make like salads. I eat goat cheese. Um, everything that I eat, I feel like I know where it's sourced from. Mm. And I'll, sometimes I even ask, I'll even call the company and be like, where, you know, are they, what is the feed that they're getting? Is it GMO free and everything like that? So you try your best to eat as pure as possible. When I travel, it's not as easy, but um, I drink green tea every day. And I feel like that's been really great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not not really a coffee drinker. Once in a while, I have some, but um, but my favorite thing is like Indian food, like curries mm-hmm. and spices. So to just put a curry in, like a you know, just make a curry with all kinds of fresh vegetables. Yeah, I think that would be my favorite. And salads, just picking arugula from our land, slicing up some oranges from our tree maybe shaving a little goat cheese on top and doing like a lemon vinaigrette with that. Yeah. I, I wish, see, we're up in Canada. It's, I've got a growing season that's about maybe four months. Yeah. So it's like, we, we have to really start planting now and into the first couple of weeks of May, if you want to have successful gardening here. 
But that is amazing. Yeah, you have that window. Yeah. I want to be where you are, where you can plant all year. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because we're on the top of the mountain and it's like, okay, when is, like the sun is here forever. It feels like in the summer, it's so hot yeah. that it's, it's perfect. Yeah. For farming. And there's an empty lot next to us that we, we would love to like buy one day and farm on it. Mm. Um, it's like an acre of land that no one's on. It's just sitting there. Yeah. But um, it's a lot of work farming, you know, growing your own food because you have to like, as my daughter said when she was little and the critters came and ate all the food, she's like, we just have to share with everyone. <laughs> you got to like share with the squirrels and the birds and everybody else and find your way. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple more questions before we wrap things up. Um, do you, can you think of a clothing item? a toy, some kind of item that makes you nostalgic for the 90s. Oh my gosh, yeah. I still have a lot of my clothes from the 90s. I, 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 I don't want to say hoarder, but collector. Like I have, a, I have a lot of those tour costumes that I did, of course, and those are all stored away. But then I have other things that I wore. You know, I was really into vintage clothing. So mm -hmm. I have like some really great, special vintage like Chinese pajamas and stuff from the early 1900s. Oh, wow. That are, that I got in the nineties that I used to wear to a lot of parties. And um, I have like one side of my closet is like newer clothes and the other side is the vintage stuff. So I, I'm like over the top, I'm over the top with that stuff. If I have to pick one thing, it's this like vintage kimono with fringe. That's like tie dyed kimonos. Yeah. I absolutely love Japanese style. Yeah, you would. It's amazing. I wore it in my video for Heaven, yeah. Adam Smith remix. You'll see, like, I put my arms out and you see all the fringe. Oh. So you have to watch that. Um, okay. And that's more like, that's an electronic remix of a song from my album Here in Heaven. That's the album I put out a couple of years ago. Excellent. Yeah. Um, do you still keep in touch with Madonna? You know, I'm not directly in touch with her now. I saw her at her show. So I, I see her at her shows when she comes to town. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like, not like it used to be, like emailing back and forth because we were, a lot of it was around working together. Yeah. You know, and I always had, I had a professional relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have any expectations to keep in touch really mm -hmm. um, since we haven't been working together. But she knows, I mean, we wish each other well and, and I'm always there to support her. You know, I'm always there at her show and cheering her on and mm -hmm. loving and appreciating what she's doing now. Excellent. So yeah. to wrap things up, I wanted to um, make sure that we plug your current projects um, and I definitely will be playing some of your music throughout the show. Um, is there a specific project that you've worked on that you want to share with everybody? Wow. Well, the same. The, if the different had a chance to hear it yet. Yeah. So the different co collaborations, like we touched on with Nikki and Donna, mm -hmm. there's that music. There's also the collaboration with the Nuno Betancourt Connection, which is um, <laughs> right. Right. It's, so the song, yeah, the song remind me later. It's called Point of No Return. Okay. So there, there's this band called La Machine de Rev, mm -hmm. and it means Dream Machine in French, and that's. I collaborate with uh, my friend Ajax and another man named Greg for that band. And it's really cool. It's very, it's kind of dark and all, 
alternative, um, kind of more like Massive Attack, Portishead, kind of Zero Seven, more in that realm, which I love a lot. So you guys check out that record. And then I'm, like I said, I'm making my meditation album now, but I'm gonna have a bunch of my remixes coming out in a couple months. So that'll be really good. Um, and an EP, which is just like singer songwriter, more like that, um, more acoustic based. And then I just released a single that's on that EP called Diamonds in the Sun, which is just a real uplifting song. Mm. Um, I took an existing song that a friend of mine wrote. It's kind of like another yoga hit because the chorus is so beautiful. And I wanted to expand on the song and, and give it like a verse and a bridge and stuff like that. And did that. So that's out right now. You guys can stream it on Spotify. You can download it, Apple Music and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I've got to just finish up all this music to get out there. Yeah. But isn't that fun to look forward to, hey? <laughs> it really is. And, and it's so great to just have all these collaborations and who knows what I'm going to, you know, who knows who's going to reach out next and ask me to be part of something. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I learned so much and I'm very inspired by, by this conversation. Thank you so much, Donna. Yeah, well, thank you so much for reaching out. And I love, I love this thing. What is that behind you? It's just like a screen <laughs> this is thing. Our, like I can, I'll show you. It's called a virtual background on Zoom. Right, I can do mine too. Hold on a yeah. second. Are you I'll give on? You one. But I think I can give you one. Wait. I have some super silly ones as well, like uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> I have, we set those up, but where do I find them? Where do I go to? Are you on a computer or a tablet? I'm on my phone and they were on my phone. Okay. I'm doing it off a desktop computer, which is a little bit different, but I think if you find the settings button and you mm -hmm. go in to zoom settings under virtual background, that's where you can change them. Okay. I'll have my 11 year old daughter help me with this later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you so much. It'll be coming out. Um, late may i think so oh, i'll perfect. i'll make sure i'll email you and tag you in the social media when we put it out oh and yeah and you guys follow me on you know the whole thing instagram facebook everywhere yeah. i'm around and i'm posting a lot of stuff from the studio a lot of things i'm working on too you get a sneak peek good i look forward to it yay thank you and i, I look forward to hearing what you're making as well what you're creating i appreciate that donna take care thank you Bye. Bye. I've been running,
That was another amazing song by Donna featuring La Machine de Rêve. That song, as well as a version of Open Your Heart that Donna sings with La Machine de Rêve, can be found on our YouTube channel. We have playlists there of our featured artists that you can go and refer to some of the different music that we talked about in the show. So our YouTube channel at Dope Nostalgia, check it out. You'll find much more of Donna's music, including that open your heart version that she does. There'll be a poll on our Twitter where I'm going to be asking you which of the Madonna tours that Donna is featured on was your favorite. Check out our Twitter at Nostalgia Dope and vote. We're going to be wrapping things up with a song that was originally written by Madonna and Patrick Leonard. It's rumored this song was written for the Like a Prayer album. But we definitely know that Madonna and Patrick wrote it. And it was gifted to Donna for her album by Madonna. So Madonna, you will hear singing in the song. She does the backing vocals and you can definitely tell near the end of the song. Check it out. It's called Just a Dream. We're going to end the show with it. Next week, we're featuring a brand new online friend I made from the U.S. who decided to do me an episode. And we're going to talk about Tevin Campbell. See you guys.
Hit up our Instagram, dope underscore nostalgia. You like Twitter better? That's cool. Nostalgia dope. Or shoot us an email, dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.